Hello and welcome to your weekly podcast from Freestyle Media in partnership with The Magic Five. Uh, and this week's going to be a fun old conversation. Uh, so we're going to be exploring training volume. Um, so does the perfect amount of volume exist? Uh, and if so, what does that actually look like? Uh, so to help us along with that conversation, uh, I'm joined by Masters Swimming Royalty uh, here. We've got uh, we've got Helen Gorman, Katie Moore and Dan Mills. Uh, so thanks for, the, thanks for joining us on the podcast, guys. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. Hi, yeah. Thanks for having us, Joe. No, you're welcome. Thank you for coming on. So how are we going to do this? Um, we're going to see how it goes. We've, I've kind of picked you guys because I feel like two of you represent high volume, in my eyes, at least, and two of us represent low volume. I'm definitely one of those people. Uh, so we're almost going to have a bit of a team high volume, team low volume thing going on here. Um, but we're going to start in generic terms and not really uh, put a badge on ourselves to start with. Um, by the way, in part two, we're going to hear from Bob Bolton, Trafford Metro coach, just to get a coach's perspective. Then we will come back in the virtual room here with us guys for part three to kind of conclude. Um, but just to start things off, and Katie, I'm going to come to you first. When you think of the term high volume, what's the kind of figure that comes in your head, the weekly figure of like kilometres? I'd say anything sort of greater than about 12k, really. Yeah. That's Would you agree with that one? I think for a master swimmer, I would probably say, in my mind, anything sort of 50 and 20k would be high volume. I think it's quite a different conversation yeah. for sort of age group swimmers. Yes. And, yeah. In my previous swimming, yeah. definitely 50 and 20k was not high volume. But I think for a master swimmer, that's what I would probably say. Yeah. Would you concur with that, Helen? Yeah. I mean, in my head, uh, high volume is 20k plus. Um, I have kind of done a bit of a WhatsApp out to people, asking them how much they do. Um, and it's surprisingly higher than I thought from quite a few people. So I don't feel like a freak at, at the sort of 20 to 25K volume now. I've realised there's quite a lot of people doing that, doing that level of training. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and even that volume of training like blows my mind, to be honest, because it's, it's it's a level I've never never reached, even, even, as, a, even as a kid. Um, but Dan made a good point there about uh, the difference between you know, what is high volume for a master swimmer and what is high volume for an age group swimmer? Because we all know that at age group, it can be 50K, it can be a lot more than that. Um, but I mean, we're talking totally, totally different levels. I want to focus obviously on master swimming or just swimming for adults. I suppose they've got full-time jobs, you know, families, busy lives, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so let, let's say for argument's sake then that, that 10K is kind of mid-range, 12K upwards is kind of high volume and, and 8K and below is kind of low volume. Where do we all sit currently in that? So, so Helen, how many how many sort of kilometres do you aim for a week? Um, it, a training block, I'll typically go between 20 and 25, but I mean, last week was 26 and a half, which is not, you know, last year I had some bigger weeks than that. But yeah, I mean, if I've done a consistent block between 20 and 25, I'm pretty happy. And does the level uh, or, or does the amount of volume, does that, differ sort of through the block so as you're coming towards like a race for example you would bring that down uh yeah I mean the the difficulty there for me is I, I, I train with kids so they might come down for a meet um and I may or may not I usually would be doing it with them but then I've got master's meets that sit kind of outside so I'm, I'm fortunate I can actually swim quite well in the middle mm. of a training block um so I don't I don't worry too I, I don't I'm not I know I kind of track my mileage and I do put it on Instagram occasionally. Well, I've tried to stop doing that, but um, I'm, I look at it just to kind of see where I am, but I, I'm not, 
I'm quite open-minded, to be honest. When I stand on the block, I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded. But yeah. I genuinely enjoy that amount of training and it seems to work for me. Yeah, I think that's a really good approach. How about you, Dan? What's your what's your current mileage a week? Uh, at the moment, I'm probably getting around about 15 to 20. Um, so probably a little bit less than Helen, but um, that's kind of where I'm sitting at. Um, possibly I'd like to do a little bit more, but it's just fitting it in with, with work and getting the number of sessions in, really. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question for you is, do you feel like that's an ideal amount for you or, or would you like to do more if if life permitted it? Yeah, I think it, at the moment with work and stuff, it's idealising what I can fit in, what I enjoy, what's given me a happy balance. I think if I had more free time, then I think I would like to do a bit more. You know, if I could push it up to closer, probably to 30,000 would be ideal for some of the events that I'm swimming if if I had the time to. Yeah. And how about you, Casey? So I'm currently sitting around 5K, so everybody will probably laugh at that. That's probably one of Helen's sessions in the week. <laughs> um, but um, I tend to um, to fit in around my sort of family life, work life. Um, I tend to go to the pool um, on my lunch break. So I do sort of, th- I tend to do sort of three half an hour sessions a week. Sometimes I'll do an evening. Um, but for me, um, thankfully, I'm a sprinter, so that, that seems to work for me. Um, I don't think it would work if I was a long-distance swimmer. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I just do really short, sharp stuff. Um, I do a short warm-up, and I just get in there, and I do lots of sort of race pace stuff, really, to sort of get the best out of the time that I do have in the pool. Yeah. No, I'm glad you've said that because um, there are obviously loads of, of caveats when we talk about volume, things like, uh, like quality and quantity things like that you know how much of it is fast how much how much of it is slow and, and so so helen like you know katie kind of made the joke a typical session for you could be 5k so how much of a five if that's true how much of a 5k session is you know top top speed work or how much of it is 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 pretty durable um yeah i mean a typical session for me is around 5k so katie's right there um, we'll do a longer warm-up just because we've got time to do it. Sessions are usually two hours. Um, there's a lot of drills and skills in there, but they're sort of high-performance drills and skills. Like, you know, if we're doing practising a technique element, it's got to be done really, really well. Um, so if we're doing race pace, um, it'd probably be between 1 and 2K a set. Um, and the actual volume of stuff that's at maximum pace, that will vary depending on the time of year. So this morning, for example, we only did, uh, I've already forgotten because it was many hours ago, um, <laughs> we did 16.25s at, at, um, at race pace, but or more above race pace at max. Um, but each 25 had a 50 easy between it, and it was all pretty chilled. You know, the 25s were off a minute, yeah. the 50s were off a minute and a half. So um, we are doing those types of sets, but that's kind of a luxury. It's, it's usually more like, uh, race pace 50s off off a minute yeah and quite big blocks of them yeah yeah that sounds good well i'm definitely near a katie's um average per week so I- i'm s- i'm somewhere between seven and nine k myself so try and try and do that across three sessions so again i'm not doing i'm not doing massive sessions to be honest at, at most i'm doing 3k um but it can be anywhere between two and three i, tr- I try not to go below two um per session and l- unless i'm going in purely just to do some sprint work it might be like one and a half um but i prefer not to to train like that i prefer to train sort of between between two and three really um but let's talk about our histories then because 
Dan, you know, you, you've already said yourself that you used to do a lot more and you, you've already referenced the kind of age group uh, nature of all of this. So what's what's been the height, the height of volume for you throughout your life? Um, probably the peak volumes when I was training what I you know, class proper training full time when I was an age grouper. Um, I was probably averaging between 55 to 65. Um, but it wouldn't be unusual if we we're going away in a camp or doing a high training volume week to get, you know, closer to the 70 to 80,000 meters a week. And I mean, how obviously you, you could do that, your body was used to it. Do you think you could? Do you think you could do that now? If you could, you pull a fifty k k week now? I don't think so. Not without uh, risking injury or illness. I don't think. Um, I don't think from going, you know, going fifteen twenty to go straight up. I think maybe possibly if you built into it, if you had, say, you were completely free, no job, nothing, and you could build back into it. I think I could build back into maybe fifty k. But I think going straight into it would just be asking for for trouble at the moment. Yeah. And in terms of getting the best out of every meter that you that you swim, do you feel like what you do now is still really, really good quality and you feel like your body gets the best possible training it can get based on the, the number of meters that you do a week? Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said before, if I could do more, you know, I, I would like to do a bit more. I don't think I would want to go back to doing 50, 60,000. I don't think, you know, I would find it enjoyable. And I think that's a real key you know, component is enjoying the swimming. Did, um, did you find it enjoyable when you used to swim that much? Uh, I can't say that I enjoyed every meter that I did, you know, not not all the, I, I didn't enjoy waking up at, you know, five o'clock and going and doing six, 7,000 meters. I enjoyed training hard and I suppose in general, I enjoyed doing volume, but I didn't enjoy every session I was at and doing every, uh, every meter there. Mm. Yeah, no, that sounds good. How, how about you, Helen? I imagine you were probably somewhere near to, to Dan as well. Well, and we should probably say that Dan and I are actually from the same club originally, albeit a few years apart. So, yeah. uh, but I wasn't a distance freestyler, and um, Dan might be being a bit modest, but he did swim for EB at the European Juniors. So, um, there's a real pedigree there. He hit, you know, top level. Um, so, as a breaststroker, I was swimming just over 50k a week most of the time. Um, but yeah, similar training philosophy, similar sort of background, the same head coach sitting over the top of us, uh, deciding deciding what our overall plans were. So yeah, yeah. How, how about you, Katie? So you're at five k at the moment. Have you always been low volume? Would you say, or was there a time when you did a lot more? Yeah, well, there was a time when I did a lot more as an age group, but although still compared to you guys, it was probably quite low volume. Um, I used to do around sort of five sessions a week ish um, as an age grouper. Um, probably did about 25k ish something like that um I sort of I had a lot of other commitments outside of swimming as well because I had horses and I competed them as well so when I wasn't in the pool I was um, competing horses so quite often on a weekend I'd have a gala one day and then I'd have a horse competition the next so hence why I couldn't do sort of eight or nine sessions like a lot of my teammates did um but to be honest I think um when I came back to masters in my twenties and I didn't have the time to do that much training. Um, and I only had sort of three sessions a week to get, to get the most out of them. Um, I think the focus was really on quality then, um, instead of sort of quantity, like back when we were all age groupers plowing up and down the pools. Um, and I seemed to get much better results from that. Um, and I just wonder if I'd have done that sort of training as an age grouper, whether I'd have been faster and maybe got more out of it. 
Yeah, it's an interesting point. So, sorry if you mentioned this earlier, but do you currently swim with a club or do you train on your own? I currently train on my own, yeah, because there's no sort of master's clubs sort of near to me that fit in with, you know, my work schedule and stuff. So um, I tend to swim in public sessions, which, again, that's a whole other can of worms. But it's it's difficult um, sometimes, obviously, swimming in public sessions. But um, so I sort of go with a few different options of sets to do, depending on who's in the lane, because you can't always do, yeah. you know, 100 race pace stuff if it's there's three or four people in your lane. So I sort of adapt it according to who's there, really. Yeah, but in, interestingly, though, based on the type of training that you do, especially if you're doing a lot of sprint work, like you say, does it actually suit you training alone and not not with a club? Because I guess if you're training with a club, you know, you can't have it all your own way. You have to do what the coach says and what everybody else wants to do. So you wouldn't be in there doing all the sprint work that you want to be doing. So does it actually suit you, given that you're low volume? Yeah, true. It does suit me at the moment. Um, when I was in my 20s and I was training with sort of City of Liverpool, uh, we had a fantastic coach, um, Anthony Christie, who's he's actually moved to Ireland now. Uh, but he really sort of... Um, he had he sort of split the sprinters and the distance swimmers out and all the sprinters did like loads of race pace stuff um loads of sort of power work with bungee cords attached to the blocks etc we swam with sponge belts and buckets attached to our waist and stuff like that so like loads of power work and stuff so um i think if you find the right coach um you know you can get really good results from it um i sort of do my own thing now which does suit me um there was an option of sort of joining the local sort of kids club if you like but they just they do a lot of medley work and a lot of distance stuff and it just it wouldn't really suit me so I just kind of do my own thing really yeah no that sounds good something that gets mentioned a lot in in sport generally is the miles on the clock argument of saying that if you're somebody who was slogged to death as as a as a kid or or, you know a, a teenager or whatever that actually your longevity may not be as great as somebody else who who did less kind of going through going through the years where where do you where do you sit with that kind of debate in swimming do do you helen for example do you feel like really high volume as an age grouper actually sets you up for success as as a master swimmer in terms of that longevity and, and speed or do you think there is a miles on the clock thing um i don't believe in miles on the clock so it doesn't suit me to believe in that i'm 51 <laughs> um, i think um they're much bigger uh the most impactful thing on your ability to swim as a master swimmer is your, your technique, not how much you train. Um, and it seems to, it's going to follow, isn't it? If you've come from a big club where you had the opportunity to do decent sized volume, you probably had a good coach that, that taught high level skills and technique. So your injury risk may be lower because you've got good technique. Um, I don't particularly view myself as being very talented but um i do think i've got this uh, rather robust bust body that seems to keep going more than i <laughs> thought it would so i think i'm quite lucky in that respect um i do know people that have had um shoulder surgeries quite recently and and in the past um and touch wood if i can find any um I, i've been okay so i think it's individual i think what you did when you were younger um does have an impact but it's kind of what you did after that did you look after your body did you do you do mobility? Do you sleep well? Do you have a good diet? What's your job? Are you doing lots of manual lifting? Are you sat down all day? I think there's so many factors. I don't think volume can be kind of considered. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, fair point. And, and also on the kind of, um, on the whole thing of opinions, you, you described yourself as not very talented. I would disagree with that. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think anybody with a world record has, has got some talent, that's for sure. Um, Dan, just on, on, on that, on that talk, topic of um, kind of miles on the clock, as somebody who swam a very high, swam very high volume as, a, as an age grouper, do, do you feel like that set you up well? Yeah, yeah, I definitely see the miles on the clock as being a positive thing. Yeah, I, I think you know, uh, back at No Resource, about like building the engine and you know being able to have that there, and I definitely think you know it doesn't last forever. I think you know you have a few years out or something. You know, you're going to lose some of what you had, but I think you've definitely got you know miles in the bank is what I'd like to think. You know, you, you've got that there, and it's maybe easier for you to build back up to that level, even if you're not getting as high. Or you know build back into the big sessions if you've done them once before i definitely think it's a positive thing to have that background yeah i i tend to agree with that with that argument actually now i didn't do high volume as a kid as, as we've already um discussed I, I what i would say though is i think if i suddenly start and actually dan you sort of said this earlier if i suddenly started doing you know high volume now i think it would kill me to be honest having never done it before i think the, the most i ever did uh, as an age group was 12 15k max um because i sort of swam four sessions a week all, all an hour ne never really any more than that actually we did have one two hour session with an option of getting out after an hour guess which option i picked um <laughs> <laughs> okay but I, think, I think that's it there isn't it if i if as an age grouper i put those miles in then i think it would have really benefited me but i don't think it would benefit me now as a master swimmer to try and do that myself um but no let's now talk about adding other forms of training in so training out the pool so gym work you know other forms of cardio like running cycling whatever it may be so dan if you if you say swam i don't know 8k a week but you also do three gym sessions a week and a run do you would you consider that therefore to be high volume training um i don't think i would consider it high volume swim training that was in yeah. swim specific training i think yeah. obviously I think, you know, you had a good podcast on this a, a couple of weeks ago, Joe, on, you know, how different sports can, you know, add to uh, to swim training, you know, the running, the cycling, the, the, the gym side of stuff and other sports. I think for me, um, the high volume comes from, you know, the number of meters in the pool. Um, and personally, I think there's definitely a role for, you know, the gym and other sports can play in aiding your, your swim training. But for me, the main core has to be actual swimming. And I think meters in the pool are very important. I'd say as the caveat, maybe 50, 50 sprinters, less so important. But I think from you know 200 upwards and probably hundreds on the back end as well, having more meters in the pool is, is a key component to the training, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Katie, what does your schedule look like? If you're getting about 5K a week in, is there, is there other things you're doing out of the pool to, to aid that? Yeah, I sort of have to, um, I could keep taking over at that really, but uh, I do gym stuff as well. Um, I've got, I'm lucky to have a row machine at home and a few sort of weights and um, resistance bands and things like that. So I tend to do um, two or three sessions a week. Again, just short things because they have to fit in with like, I've got little kids. Um, so I sort of, after they've gone to bed, I'll do like half an hour hit uh, downstairs. I'll do some reps on the row machine and stuff. And that's really, really helped my swimming fitness as well. Um, and I sort of, I think there's, I still do have to swim. I, I couldn't just sort of not swim because um, mm -hmm. it's, I've got, I don't know, I just lose my technique if I don't, you know, get in the pool a bit. Um, but I find it really helps definitely supplementing it with other sort of training forms as well. Mm. 
So Dan, Dan alluded to this earlier about um, he would consider the scenario I gave him as high volume training, but not high volume swim training. Would you say what you did as high volume training uh, training generally? Um, I do, well, sorry. sorry um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't call myself high volume because I do do quite short sessions, really. Um, but I'd still call myself quite low volume, I think. Yeah. 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 So Helen, uh, I know that you've added a strength training to your program quite recently uh, through uh, Mr. Nathan Oxford. Um, sounds like it's going really well. Have you, are you now doing that on top of all of the training that you're already doing or did you drop off a session or two to add that in? No, I mean, I, I have been doing land work uh, for quite a while. Um, it's all we could do in COVID, wasn't it? So uh, um, I carried on with that, but it was not... Um, it wasn't properly planned. Um, so I do three gym sessions a week now and I, I really enjoy riding my bike. So I'll, I'll do that, but I, that's kind of leisure. That's something just general activity, but yeah, having a structured gym training program, I think is making a difference for me this year. We'll see. I mean, I've not been able to race much this year because of illness and meets being canceled, but um, the couple of meets I have done, I've, I've been pleasantly shocked by what has been on the, the scoreboards, but um, those have been in age group meets. So uh, I've not done not done much masters racing this year. But I, I do I do think the land work's made a difference. But I haven't compromised on my swimming for that. I'd be interested to ask Helen. Yeah. How yeah. much? Um, how many sessions do you do rather than just pure volume? How many sessions and how long are the sessions? Cause it sounds like your sessions are quite long as two hours. Because mm -hmm. one of my kind of thoughts is that high volume isn't always about pure meters, but having time in the pool. Um, and you know the time, amount of time you spend there. So, I, I think a, an example, and it's an age group example, but um, you know there was the, the famous thing about Popovici at the World Champs, and his warm ups were sort of up to two hour warm ups, but a lot of that time was just spent sculling, getting feel for the water. And I feel that almost lends itself to the, you know the high volume, just just spending time in the water and getting feel to the water. So I'd be interested, you know, how much actual time in the water you're having, Helen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's five two-hour sessions. Um, but some of those sessions, I might not much, do much more than three and a half K. And, um, you know, I'm definitely more Popovici than uh, Bruno Fratter, so I'm not, you know, that <laughs> proud. Um, they give me a two-hour sculling set, and I might get cold and a bit bored. But, um, you know, we do actually do quite a lot of sculling. And I do, um, I think, to me personally, it's really important. Um, my job, I work uh, media, social media. I've constantly got people asking me stupid questions. Um, and actually, the only time my mind's quiet is when I'm in the water, and I I just love just trying to feel the water, and I you know I I love the fact that I I've, I've got coaches who are teaching me new drills, and they're watching the uh, what I'm doing technically. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm doing, I'm doing five two hour sessions, and it kind of works for me around my job because I'm getting up at five o'clock to go and do it um, a couple of mornings a week, and then I've got Saturday morning, which is seven till nine in the morning, so I've still got the rest of the weekend. Um, for whatever I need to do. So I, I don't, you know, although my swimming does impact on family life, um, it's part of family life and I can't imagine not doing it. So yeah, give me two hours of sculling with Popovici anytime. That's cool. <laughs> that was a really, that was a really interesting question, Dan. And I actually want to put the same one to you. So kind of how many hours are you doing or how many sessions, sorry, are you doing a week and how much of that is spent with that feel for the water? Yeah. So at the moment I'm doing three to four sessions a week, try and normally do four sessions. 
I'm sure Bob will chat about it in his section, but the sessions at Trafford are normally about an hour and 15 long. We have a couple of hour and a half sessions, so you don't have as long, you know, in the pool. Um, so with that, probably I don't spend as much time on feel and those type of, I mean, I'm always thinking about technique whenever I'm swimming. I think, you know, the warm up, the swim down, the easy meters, you know, is key to keep thinking about it, but I don't spend as much focus time probably on it just because I'm trying to get those important main sets in within those sort of hour and 15 sessions, you know, three times a week. Um, so probably that's why I think adding an extra session would be useful. It doesn't always have to be an extra hard session. I know that it's important to do that race-based stuff, but if you can do quality, low intensity work as well, so really thinking about feel for the water, uh, thinking about your technique and those easy sessions, that's why I think that the higher volume can really improve things just because you're getting the, the feel and that there alongside easy work that's not stressing your body too much. Yeah, yeah. If, I can, if I can just add to that again, although Dan and I are sort of taking over a little, um, I did do um, more or less a whole year of doing USRPT, so ultra, ultra short race pace training, I could not believe the results the first six months. I, I cannot get over how fast I actually swam from doing that. But after nine months, my stroke completely fell apart. And it wasn't just me, the other breaststrokers in the squad had the same problem. Um, and my knees were injured. Um, and I've not been in that position the whole time I've been back in master swimming for 11 or 12 years. But that one season of doing race pace every single day, um, not only physically did it affect me, but also mentally having to turn up to the pool every day, every other day, whatever it was. Uh, at that point, I was doing eight sessions a week. Some of them were a bit shorter, but having to turn up and know that you've got to swim at that pace. And if you don't hit that pace, you've failed. That's almost the language that's used in that type of training. You haven't hit pace, therefore you stop. You've reached failure. It's actually mentally destroyed me. And I'm much happier now um, in a program that does a lot more drills, skills, really slow swimming along with very fast swimming. I don't tend to do the middle bit. I'm not doing massive aerobic uh, blocks of work, but I am doing the slow technique work and I am doing the race and overspeed work. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good point. Um, especially like, like, like you said, six months, it was great. And then your body broke down or, or, or maybe even your mind broke down as well. I definitely think there's something in that, isn't there? The intensity of, of training and, and how it all feels and it's going to boil over at some point. Final thing I want to cover in part one is what does an ideal session look like for each of us? So we talked about volume um, in terms of a weekly volume, maybe even volume per, per session. But Katie, I'll start with you. We know you're lower volume now. And obviously the type of swimmer you are, the type of, of eventually that you like racing would, would obviously determine the type of session that you like. But kind of describe meters wise and intensity of the session. Is it mainly speed work? Is it some technique? Like what does an ideal session look like for you? Yeah, um, I mean, normally I do, um, currently I do quite a short warm-up. Uh, I start off with some um, kicks and a few little drills and stuff. But then as soon as I'm warmed up, I just get straight into race-based stuff because I don't really have the luxury of, um, you know, um, doing a long warm-up and doing a, a starter set and then a main set, etc. cetera. Um, so I just sort of get straight in there. Uh, when I was in my 20s and sort of, um, you know, competing at Worlds and stuff like that, um, I did three one and a half hour sessions a week. Um, so I'd say that's my sort of ideal. But again, we did sort of um, a shortish warm up and then just loads of race based stuff, loads of power mm -hmm. stuff with the bungee cords and things like that. Um, and I managed to win sort of two consecutive world champs um, just off three sessions in the pool a week. And yeah, I won the 
you know, there's probably not that many other people have done it, but I've, I've got the luxury of being a sprinter, I suppose, um, you know, doing 50s and 100s and the odd 200, but um, but mostly 50s and 100s. Um, yeah, the, um, the, the horse riding is also interesting because the other uh, top-level swimmer that we all worship is uh, Jane Asher, and she came from a horse riding background. So I think you know, it's not to be uh, underestimated, the kind of impact of doing other things, and I think... Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, I mean, it's, it's certainly mindful, but it's working your body as well. So, you're not mm. the only one that's, um, you know, a successful master swimmer that uh, has ridden horses. It's, it's a good point. Do you feel like it does translate, Katie? Yeah, I think it definitely helps. I mean, I've always sort of been active outside the pool anyway and enjoyed, you know, cycling and running and stuff like that um, and doing gym work and, and the horses and everything. I'm always on the go. So, I think that really helps sort of. Add to your base fitness really as well so and then when I got in the pool obviously we just tuned it up and did all the really fast race pace stuff which I seem to sort of thrive on I know Helen said she didn't like it but um I think because I was only just sort of doing three sessions in the week doing it I'd have a sort of day to recover and then I'd be back at it again but I couldn't have done it every day to be honest that would be too much for me interesting Helen mentioned um Bruno Frattis earlier and I I heard him recently in an interview he said that uh, he, he swam a session recently, and this is quite a typical session for him. It was only um, 1,600 metres, just 25s. He said he didn't do a warm-up. Uh, he did he did something dry land to warm up, but he didn't do any, any warming up in the water and no cool down. It was just 1,600 metres worth of 25s, mostly as fast as you can, with the occasional one recovery on backstroke. How does that session sound, sound for oh, you, Katie? That sounds amazing. That's like my perfect session. <laughs> Although I, I do have to do a bit of a cool down. I think now, you know, when you get to the master's stage and stuff, you know, you don't recover quite as quickly. And I always make sure that I do warm warm up and cool down properly. But, um, yeah, that does sound like a pretty good session, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it all comes down to preference, doesn't it? And also, this guy's had, what, three, four shoulder surgeries? So I think he's probably paying the price. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan, what does the perfect session look like for you? Oh, difficult question. Um I, I enjoy a hard session, you know, what our class is, you know, high intensity session. I, I definitely agree that I don't think you can do those type of sessions every day of the week. I think you've got to have some easy ones in there. But if I was to say, you know, one session, probably, you know, warm up normally around about 1500 meters or so, maybe putting a bit of build in there, doing a few different strokes, you know, mixing things up in the warm up. And then for a main set, you know, I'd enjoy 2100's best average or, you know, 12 200's. Yeah, I, I sometimes quite like descent work because they descend to really fast. So 12 twos or six fours descend to max on the end. Uh, anything that works you quite high intensity, I do enjoy. Yeah, that does sound really good. Actually, I was um, speaking with James Simpson recently at uh, a competition. He was singing your praises saying that when you do 200 reps in training, the two of you are going at it. And he said he can keep pace with you for a while, but eventually you just you just take him. Yeah, I think it turned a little bit too far for James. <laughs> That's probably it. How about you, Helen? What's the perfect sort of session for you? Uh, are we allowed to say 5K of social kick with fins on? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do genuinely enjoy hard work, a bit like Dan, but I, I, I love kick. I, I could do kick all day. I just love it. Do you, do you always kick with fins or without? No, not breaststroke, no. Not, oh, yeah, of course. I, don't, I, don't, I don't wear fins very much, actually, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I sometimes wear them for breaststroke drills, but not usually. 
Yeah, I think no, I can do with some of your enthusiasm for kick, Helen. I'm uh, <laughs> not a not a kick lover, not very good at it. So, distance freestylers aren't supposed to love it. It's breaststroke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't need to be able to kick too hard on a fifteen hundred. No, no, that's very true. Right, that's it for part one. Um, we'll be back in the virtual room for part three to conclude this conversation. Uh, but now you'll hear me speaking to Trafford Metro coach Bob Bolton to get a coach's perspective. And now for part two, and I'm joined by Trafford Metro coach Bob Bolton uh, to get a coach's perspective uh, on training volume. Uh, so, Bob, thanks for thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me, Joe. No, no, not at all. Um, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so, the first question that I want to ask, actually, we you know we were just chatting to to Dan there, and obviously talking about his experiences of training with with Trafford Metro. I believe that you guys offer eight sessions a week in total to swimmers if they want to swim all, all eight, right? So, how many? How many meters across the week would you would you guys typically do? Well, if you were to attend all eight, uh, and nobody ever does, you'd be doing about forty uh, k a week, probably. Depending on whether you elect to do some of the speed sessions or whether you go for the normal mid mid to long distance sessions, we've actually got a nine yeah. session in now that we've got on a temporary basis on Friday morning. Uh, so we've got uh, a few guys that come down to that as well now. So that extra one is quite useful at the moment. That's brilliant. So of, of all the, you know, I know it's a big club, you've got a lot of swimmers there. What's the kind of top mileage of, of any swimmer you've got? So I know uh, Dan says he does probably four sessions a week. Is is that probably typical of a swimmer? Yeah, I would say that on average, people do two to three sessions a week. Um, you're probably looking at the likes of Dan and, and other guys who might get to four, you might get one or two who are doing five sessions a week. Um it's a funny one really because people sort of dip in and out they get very motivated and very keen they set themselves a goal uh, and then they're really on it for six nine months and then the goal is is achieved and uh, then they maybe wind down a little bit so it, it, it changes it's, it's very much a movable feast and because we've got a big number of people um, big number of swimmers in, in the squad you never know who's coming down on any given night really which, from yeah. my perspective, makes it more difficult to be able mm. to design sessions that meet everyone's requirements. And that's that's the ideal, but it never really works quite like that. Some sessions work better for others, uh, and some sessions don't really meet other people's requirements in the way that they'd want them to. So there's always a bit of a compromise, really, which is a shame. But when you've got a lot of swimmers, um, that's probably really the way it has to be. Because there's a broad... Yeah. Uh, there's a broad cross-section of abilities as well. Um, you've got people who, who are capable of swimming a 200 in, in a 154 and uh, then people who would struggle to go under three minutes. So there's, yeah. there's a big cross-section of abilities and it's trying to, to meet everybody's expectations, which isn't always easy. No, I, I, absolutely. And on that point of, of swimmers who, you, you know, you're never quite sure who's going to turn up. Do, do you ever have conversations with with swimmers, perhaps more the serious swimmers, really, in terms of that? You know, the, the the people that are really into it. In terms of, yeah. do you ever recommend and say, look, I don't want you coming more than X amount of times a week because you've got to take care of yourself. <laughs> no, I never ever say that to anybody. I don't want to see you in training. No, that's that never happens. Um, I have said recently to one swimmer, I think you need to just rein it back in a little bit because I think you'd be, you're getting a bit overtrained. You're ill. Um, you're doing a bit too much because I found out just how much he was doing it in addition to his pool work. And I just felt that it wasn't 
uh, it wasn't putting him in a good place, so I suggested that he perhaps rein things back in. And occasionally I observe uh, swimmers and, and the way they're performing and, and find out what's going on with them because they do do other things outside of uh, the pool. So uh, just getting a feel for what they're doing is useful. And I have the opportunity then to perhaps give them a little bit of, of my thought process as to what they should and shouldn't be doing. So mm. that, yeah, I do do that sometimes. But I, what I do tend to do is um, I'll generally ask Dan if he's coming in, if you know which session he's going to come to, because he does tend to swim quite quickly. And if there's more than six people in the lane, um, which doesn't ha happen very often, but it will do closer to nationals, uh, it makes it difficult to put in things mm. like 200s and above because the back marker gets lapped. And that's no good sure. for anybody, really. So you've got to be mindful of, uh, of how you distribute the swimmers within the lanes. Um, and, and that means that you've got to adapt the training sessions, really, which is it, it can be problematic, that. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned something earlier about um, having swimmers that get motivated for certain periods of the year. Maybe they've got a goal and when they achieve it, they, they step back a little bit. What what are your thoughts generally when, when you're thinking about general load and general volume? Would you say ideally it's better to be consistent all year round? Or do you think there is a place for heavy loading towards a competition and, and then easing back off again? Do you think either way is fine or is one better than the other? I have a stop phrase, which is there's no one size fits all. So it's you've got to find out what works best for you. But generally, I'm a big believer in building up towards a major competition. So mm -hmm. for us as master swimmers, we've got British Championships um, that's generally early in the or late in the spring or early in the summer. And then, of course, we've got nationals, which we always know the date of uh, the, the last yeah. weekend of October. So yeah. I generally try and um, train people towards peaking at those meets and there are other meets that we look to target albeit uh, they're not necessarily major meets so I'll probably train through them we might have a quieter week in the, the run-up to those competitions but certainly that there'll be um, I, I don't like to use the word taper uh, because I believe you've got to have something to taper from but there are some sure. swimmers who definitely need to wind back from from their the mileage that they're doing and the intensity that they're swimming at in the run-up to a competition. So, and that varies mm. from swimmer to swimmer because it is a bit of a black art, really. Um, so that you, you've got to adapt with with the swimmer's needs on that one. But generally, I, pre I do prefer to to build towards a competition, and then after that, we I wouldn't say detrain, but we 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 go for probably a little bit more distance. Lower yeah. intensity, certainly focusing a little bit more on technique um, because you can't maintain a high level uh, of fitness all year round. You've, you, have to, you have to back off at some point because it's not good mentally or physically. So there has to be that yeah. little bit of recognition that you've got to back off a bit. I'm not talking about going back to being a couch potato, but backing <laughs> off from high intensity, give your body a chance to, uh, to recover, your mind a chance to, to recover maybe do something else as well, and then come back again once you've identified when you're ready. Some people like to have a complete break. You know, they like to have a week or two off completely after a major competition. And it's almost like a cleansing of the of the body. The, the, they want to get the swimming out of the system almost and then come back to it refreshed. Others like to keep it mm. going. Some people are, fear, are frightened of um, 
of backing off because they feel like they'll lose the fitness and they don't have to go through the pain barrier to get it back again. So, so everybody's different. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of everybody's different, um, one of the debates that we were having uh, with the swimmers are around sp sprinter versus maybe middle distance to long distance and therefore training loads that are, are required. Now, some, some people believe that it doesn't matter if you're a sprinter or a mid middle distance, um, you know, you should train X amount of volume. Uh, and obviously that's dependent on each person, but, but where do you sit? So if you, if you have a swimmer that is just a pure 50 swimmer, and then you have a swimmer that's a 200 and a 400 swimmer, if you were almost writing out a personalized uh, training load for them, w would they look quite different? Um, not, not on the basis that they're two individuals, but on the basis that they're different swimmers and different events. Yeah, specificity is really important. Um, you've got to identify that the sprinters and the long distance swimmers and you would write a program that is different for them. However, when you've got a team of, of different types of swimmers all coming together in the pool at the same time, it's not quite so simple mm. to do that. Yes. I do believe that you have to have a good aerobic base to build sprint speed off. Uh, that said, there are some swimmers who can do very low mileage they can do all they need to do in a thousand to fifteen hundred meters, and that includes a big warm up, uh, some short, very high intensity sprints, uh, and that's them. Swim down, off you go, and that very often for them mentally works really well as well as physically, uh, because they don't want to swim big mileage. And at the end of the day, if you're doing something you don't want to do, unless your goal overrides that thought process, you're not going to perform at your best. So you've got to be in, in yeah. some kind of a, for want of a better word, a happy place with, with your training. Mm. But generally, I would say, yeah, shorter distance for the, for the sprinters. It's high intensity. You've got to have the right rest uh, periods. You can't just do high intensity sessions one after the other after the other. Yeah. Your body needs to recover and it needs to rest and repair. It's got to refuel. And as the swimmer gets older, that process takes a little bit longer. So it's, it makes more sense to put some aerobic work in between the high-intensity sessions. The way I generally plan this within our club is that Thursday nights we have a speed session and Sunday nights we have a speed session. They're optional. There's also another session that runs alongside it, which is more aerobic-based. When I say aerobic, it can be quite unpleasant, really, most of the time, <laughs> but, but not quite as vomit-inducing as the sprint sessions can be. Um, yeah. So the, 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 they have a choice, they've got a split, and then there are other sessions that they can recover sort of between the speed sessions if they want to. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, can you give us an example of a, of a swimmer who swims with, with you at Trafford Metro who is, whose ideal is to train high, really high volume, and then an example of somebody who kind of fits that profile of the, the, short, the short, and, short and sweet? Uh, yes, uh, and... The thing is that they've sort of become hybrid models, these these swimmers, because you, you look at somebody like Dan. Um, Dan is is definitely, he excels, he excels at everything, really, but he's particularly good at the distance events. So 400, 800, 1500. Um, he, his record will show that he's, uh, he's a brilliant performer, but he's also a very capable 100 and 200 swimmer. He probably, well, he could still knock out a fast 50 as well. But he would acknowledge, I'm sure, that he's got uh, swimmers around him who can swim a 50 faster because that's their bag and that's not really his bag. But he could still do, as he did last night, eight 50s on five minutes and he'd knock them all out in high 25s, low 26s. 
So he's perfectly wow. capable of doing it. Uh, yeah. And that's an example of the speed session that we, we did last night. We, we had about an hour and 10 minutes to get that done. Um, so the, uh, th that kind of speed work, short, short space of time, all done and dusted. So Dan distance swimmer, but he recognizes he does need to have some speed as well. Uh, there are one or two others who, who prefer to do distance swimming. Um, the, we've got so the likes of Becky Lennon, who is very keen on the, the longer distances. Um, a lot of the swimmers tend to be, they'll do all sorts of different swims. You've got the likes of James Simpson, who he's more of an out and out sprinter. Um, mm -hmm. So he's a 50 man and a hundred, but he's going to do a 200 as well. You'll never yeah. see him go over 200, I don't think. But then you've got someone like Joe Keeley, who's a, he's Joe's late twenties now, uh, similar age to Simo. Uh, Joe's a breaststroker, uh, sprinter, so he does hundreds, fifties, uh, hundreds. Um, don't think you see him doing a two hundred breaststroke very often. But last year at nationals, he did an eight hundred free just for a change and won it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, you, you just you never know that they're all capable of doing stuff. Um, but generally, you find that it's the likes of Dan who, who veers towards the distance and it's the likes of Simo who veers towards the sprints. But they'll both do the same session together and they'll they'll do it in the same lane or, or side by side. And if it's longer distance swims, Dan will drag Simo along uh, and Simo really benefits from it. And it builds his aerobic base up and he's better able to, to, to sprint off it. Yeah, no, it all, all sounds really good and healthy. Um, in, in terms of that that more kind of uh, distance element and, and the higher volume sort of side of things, th this this thing of quality over quantity, you know, would, would you rather coach somebody, you know, let's say hypothetically 15K a week, but every single meter is fantastic as opposed to 25K a week, but there's a lot of junk miles in there that is, is just aimless swimming? I, uh, I think it's a coach's cop-out to, to put just junk mileage together. Um, I urge all the coaches that I train to think about every line that they write in a session plan. And if it yeah. means that it fits the aims and the objectives of the, of the session, then that's fine. But if you're just putting it in just to make some mileage up, why are you doing it? There has to be some kind of a thought process that's, that has an outcome that you're looking to achieve. So... I wouldn't just throw in extra mileage just for the sake of it. Friday nights, uh, Friday night session tends to be a little bit quieter because it's only made of, made up of the sad people who have no friends like myself. So, I'm always there, but, but some of them come in and, uh, and they like to do the Friday night session. Uh, I joke with them about being sad. They're not really. They're great people. Um, but I give them some flexibility to do pretty much what they want within reason. So we could be running four different types of sessions. So with some of them, I'll do some some technique work. So we'll we'll put uh, stretch cords on. Uh, we'll do all kinds of, of technical work on different strokes if that's what they want to do. I've got a group of three guys, three or four guys who like to do two hundreds. So they'll do twelve two hundreds, and it'll move towards fifteen two hundreds because they want to do a fast two hundred. And I tell them every week, you're not going to swim a faster two hundred doing all these two hundreds on three minutes. But lo and behold, they're able to knock out a decent 800 now. So yeah, that that works for them. Um, Dan comes in, sometimes uh, he'll do the 200s. Uh, sometimes he'll come in with a set that he, he'd quite like to do himself. Maybe Simo will be in and he might do it, do it with him or Simo might want to do some sprints. 
uh, and then I put together another session that is geared to, to middle distance that will it could have any number of different elements within it. It could have pacing elements in it. Uh, there could be some speed work in there, uh, but generally it'll be geared towards the slower lanes being able to achieve somewhere in the region of 3,200 3, metres and the faster lanes could be up to 3,000, 4,000 metres. Yeah, sounds so there's great. There's a little bit of variance in there. Yeah, no, it sounds really good. What One question that I asked um, Dan, Helen and uh, Katie actually was this idea of, of bringing in dryland training. So, so for example, gym work, you know, maybe some yoga, you know, mobility work, maybe even other forms of cardio, like getting a running or something like that. Yeah. And I asked each of them, what would be, what, what would you rather do? Would you rather do nothing but swimming and you do a lot of it? Or would you rather take a few swimming sessions out and it replaced them with, say, a gym, a couple of gym sessions or something like that. What, what, what are your thoughts on on dryland training and, and something else other than swimming? Would you would you rather go all in on swimming uh, as a coach? Unfortunately, the, the, the way our program works, there is only Wednesday night that we have free. So every other day we're swimming, um, and it's difficult to get people together for a gym session. Otherwise, I would I would run that. Um, so most people, if they if they like that sort of thing, they, they do their own thing in their own time. What I would say about that is that there are some people who who like to swim and just swim, and they're not interested in, in going to gyms. They're not interested in anything else. They just like to swim. So if that's what floats the boat, then crack on and do it. Um, mm. Similarly, if from a from a mental perspective, you like to do other things that break up uh, swimming then I would say, by all means, go ahead and do them. Um, most most of the sporting activities tend to be complementary towards swimming. What I would say if is, is if you're going to go out and do some running, take it steady at first because the last thing we want is running injuries because it's an impact uh, sport, so it's more likely to cause some injuries that could keep you out of the pool. So unless you are a competent runner and you understand your body for running, I'd be careful with that. Similarly with the gym, but what I, what I do particularly like about the gym is that you can target swim-specific muscles and you can train them quicker, uh, in less, so you can do it in less time and probably to a higher standard, higher level, which gives you more time in the pool to focus on, on the skills aspect of uh, swimming. Yeah. So in an ideal world, if I knew they were all doing a particular type of gym routine, I could then focus a bit more on certain things within the pool. Uh, because I don't know what everybody's doing and when they're doing it, that's not quite so straightforward. So it, it, it doesn't tend to influence what I design for them in the pool. Yeah. I think if you if you target swim-specific muscles, uh, you're looking at doing things like, um, if you're not using machinery, doing press-ups, uh, squats, uh, certainly working the core with a variety of different core exercises. If you're doing pull-ups, uh, if you're going into the machinery side of things, um, you can be lifting free weights. All of those things are geared towards developing swim-specific muscles, and I would recommend that, particularly for the the, the aging swimmer, because as, as you get older, the muscles start to waste a little bit, um, and you really need to be looking at trying to slow that process down. As you, once you get to um, to the age of 30, 40, the process starts; it creeps up on you very slowly. Uh, but if you keep <laughs> lifting weights, and certainly as you get older into your 50s and into your 60s, if you lift weights, you will slow the process down and you will retain a level of strength. Looking at it from a purely health perspective as well, it will give you a better quality of life 
Um, another thing is balance. That's something else that we should all be thinking about, balance and agility, because uh, if you can maintain good balance as you get older, um, you'll certainly well, you have less risk of injury going forwards uh, if, you, if you're able to maintain your balance. And just generally doing things outside of the pool mentally is a good thing, but also physically uh, it will help you swimming in the pool. If there was one thing I would suggest um, to any, any swimmer that wants to do something different outside the pool, I would say go off and find a good yoga class and get some really yeah. good yoga stretching done. Um, stretching, you can't uh, you can't really underestimate the value of stretching, particularly as you get older. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, it's funny, we, uh, my wife and I, we were doing a, uh, it was called body balance class, which is kind of a mixture of yoga and Pilates. We, we started doing that in the sort of summer last year and we did it right through till Christmas. And then we've actually moved, moved uh, house moved up the country. And unfortunately, the, the leisure centre that we're now part of, they don't actually run this kind of session, which is a real shame because we had, as I say, three or four months of it. And I have to say, I, I really enjoyed it. And more, more specifically in in the session itself, there were certain moves or stretches that when I first went, I found really difficult. Mm. And sort of towards Christmas, I started to think, actually, I'm really getting into these. And it's only uh, it's only when you commit to it for a while that you really start to get the benefit of it. Mm. Well, it, yeah. the thing is, if, if, if you stretch more, you've got more range of movement, your mobility improves. It makes it easier to, to make your stroke longer. And if you're coupling that with mm. some strength work, it means you've got a longer stroke that's stronger. You're going to propel yourself through the water more efficiently. Mm, no, absolutely. Is so, final question: the streamline position as well. Yeah, no, no, for, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so final question, and I, and I asked this again to, to all three guys, and I answered it myself as well, right at the start of this podcast, is um, for a master swimmer. So, so, so thinking about adults that have full time jobs or, or part time jobs, or, or you know, busy family lives. So, you're not a kid that just can sort of do what you want around school. Um, when you think of high volume, what figure do you think of in your head? What's the first figure that kind of comes into your head as being a high volume per week? High volume, I would think, is probably 20K a week. If you're doing anything from 20 above, I would say that's reasonably high volume for a, for a family-orientated person who has got a busy lifestyle. Yeah. That's five, and, four and, and, sessions a week. Yeah, yeah, that's big. That's heavy. Mm. Yeah, so that's uh, we 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 kind of determined. Um, uh, I, I don't necessarily think Helen uh, was buying into this, but um, we kind of determined that that twelve k and above, you, you could sort of say is high volume. Anything below about eight eight k is low volume, and sort of between eight and twelve was maybe mid. Um, but but perhaps we were just being uh, generous to ourselves because <laughs> we don't because we don't do that much. Well, I I think twelve to twenty is. A pretty good area to be in if you can be between 12 and 20 preferably a little bit higher than you know closer to 20 than 12 i think you, yeah. you're getting a really decent amount of volume in but it all depends on what that volume is made up of it's the of quality of that volume anybody any fool can find a few hours and get in and, and swim the volume it's it's how you mm -hmm. swim that volume that counts and yeah. when you've got yeah. a short period of time in the pool like like our sessions are only theoretically an hour long um but in reality because i have a good relationship with the, the pool providers and i can't underestimate the value of having that relationship um they allow me to uh, to carry on a bit later so uh, 
our sessions are about an hour and a quarter. So by the time you've done a warm up and you, you've not got loads of time. So you've really got to make every part of that session count to get yeah, the most out yeah. of it. Yeah, no, I absolutely concur with that. And uh, and that's exactly what we've been talking about with the other guys. It's it's quality absolutely over quantity, regardless of the volume. Um, thanks for joining us, Bob. That was really helpful. Um, and now back to uh, the other guys for part three. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm back in the room for part three. Uh, Helen, Dan and Katie have joined me. Uh, and this time we are going to team up, uh, arguing the case for high volume versus low volume, which is best. Um, and also we do need to consider the whole sprinter versus middle to long distance uh, debate as well um so as you've already established dan and dan and helen sort of represent the high volume team katie and i represent the low volume team so as the card dealer um i don't want to go first so i'm going to hand this one over to helen and dan uh between the two of you give us your case as to why high volume uh, and when i say high volume again just a caveat we're talking about master swimming here we've already established kind of 12k plus we're classing this high volume you guys, I know, do do more than that. Um, but, but give us your case as to why it's the best type of training. Do you want to go, Helen? Or... Well, why not? Um, I, I think if, if you... My argument, and it, and it applies to sprinters as well as distance swimmers, if you go to a meet and it's over two or three days and you want to swim multiple events, uh, you need to be pretty fit to handle that. Um, and I'm going to call on one of your previous guests from a couple of weeks ago, Joe, uh, Mike Hodgson, He's a sprinter, a phenomenal sprinter across every stroke. The guy is swimming more than I do. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, a point to note. And, you know, all those Woking swimmers, so Michelle Ware, who's got the, a load of rasc- uh, records on uh, everything except breaststroke, basically. Um, she can sprint anything. Breaststroke's actually okay, but she's, you know, she's swimming similar volume to me. So I don't think it's as simple as whether you're a sprinter or a distance swimmer, but my case for high volume is that it gives you the opportunity to work not just on the speed and power elements of swimming but also the, the technical and skills and kind of the slower uh, slower work as well so you, you, it gives you the kind of full package in terms of being a swimmer i like it dan similar i think high volume gives the opportunity to, to work on more facets of your of your sport i think you can still do the the race pace the the really high intensity sprints but also you're you're building a bigger endurance component which you can use we talked about the the, the uh, miles in the bank type thing which you can use further down the line uh, so i think that's you know really important i i'm a big believer that if you could add extra swimming and you want to be faster at swimming adding extra swimming would be better than doing any work outside of the pool with the caveat as, as long as it's quality swimming and it's not affecting your mental state so you know if you love doing other stuff out the pool and going into the pool and doing extra meters is going to put a drain on you mentally. I don't think it's the right thing, but if you can enjoy doing more work in the pool, that will get your swimming faster. Do you, uh, so Helen mentioned this earlier in the case of Mike Hodgson, do you agree with uh, Helen's statement around, it doesn't matter whether you're a sprinter or mid to long distance, more swimming is better? Yeah, I, I think if you can do more, it's better. I think especially for the, the 50 meter swimmers. I definitely think there's something to be said about doing power work, you know, strength work in the gym. I do think that needs to be part of, of their routine, but if they could add more volume and they're still doing that high intensity, I think like we spoke about before, if they could do more volume in it, it's low intensity working on technique or feel, I think that's only going to add to, to their, uh, to their skill set really. Mm. 
Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, not sure if I'm buying it at the moment, though. So team low volume, let's, <laughs> let's discuss. Um, so, so Katie, I, I know, I know you'd probably like to do more if, if you could. Um, but as you're on team low volume, tell us why it's good. Yeah, yeah, I would like to do a little bit more. But, um, but I find that the volume I'm doing at the moment um, fits in really nicely around family commitments, work commitments, I can just do a quick session in my lunchtime, I can go short, sharp session is done, I get out. Um, it leaves me time as well to do the strength training and stuff outside of the pool. Um, yeah, that's that's why I really. But um, yeah, I, I am lucky to be a sprinter because if I was what you know four hundred meter swimmer or something, it wouldn't work. But um, yeah, it all seems to work out okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely concur. I think low volume is is more fun because um what i personally like is the fact that i don't swim every day and so i think every time i go i'm like raring to go i'm fresh i have that day in between each session to kind of reflect think about the next one it's not a grind i'm not having to get up every morning and do it so i think on that basis it's fun i get to mix in more sports so i do like three gym sessions a week i like to go running once a week so i like the mixture of things as well so i, I still consider it quite high volume training generally as we talked about earlier but obviously i know it's low volume swimming um, but again, I like the fact that I can, can do more things and actually that I can just do more things generally. So I have other hobbies as well that if I was, a, if I was doing more swimming, I wouldn't be able to do them. Um, so that's, that's kind of my main argument really for, for low volume. I know when it comes to racing, you know, obviously more training is, is better, but, um, for the sake of a few extra hundreds, uh, uh, well, maybe a second or hundreds of a second, you know, I think I'd rather, rather stick to low volume, even though we always want to be. That little bit faster um i'm going to come back to the high volume guys um what do you think is the best mix of training if i could offer you well you have to pick one scenario here there's two scenarios on offer you've got to pick one so so dan you you can either just do swimming and, and you can swim to your heart's content you know 100k a week if you really want or a mixture of um, you know, swimming and dry land. Again, it can be nice and high volume, but it's, we've got to think realistically here. Like if you're going to mix in, say, a few gym sessions and a run or something like that, which would you rather do, just swimming or a bit of a mix? I think I would probably prefer just swimming just I really love, you know, swimming. I think what would be best for me, though, would be to do a mix. I think mm -hmm. when you get into the really high volumes, and I think, you know, you know anything probably for a master swimmer above, you know, 30, 35,000, I think the reward of doing more becomes less and less. And maybe adding that gym in or the alternative sport would add more than it would say someone who was only doing, you know, five, 10,000 a week, adding extra meters on there would, would probably be more useful. But mm. I think if I could still do high volume in the pool, I would definitely want to do other stuff as well, because it's going to add those small, those, you know, small gains to your, to your swimming. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. From a mental point of view, Helen, do you ever find that high volume um, is is a drain? Um, in my head, I don't do high volume. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only doing half what I used to do, so I, I, I don't. And also, my job for ten years was working with the Brownlee brothers and professional cyclists. Swimmers so oh. do not train high volume. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Fair enough. It, like, I just have that slightly warped perspective. I know I'm not normal, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's fair enough. Um, Katie, I think from a low volume point of view, and thinking from a mental point of view, do you, you know, I, I I said it earlier, I'm always raring to go for a session because I don't do that many of them. Do you do you feel the same? 
Yeah, I feel the same. I think um, doing a bit of gym, a bit of swimming, short, sharp stuff, I think um, it keeps it fresh. It keeps me interested in it. I think if I, I'll be honest, if I swam every day, I think I'd fall out of love with it um, and I wouldn't enjoy it as much. I just, you know, if I had to get up every morning and go to the pool, I just, I don't know, it wouldn't become something I'd enjoy. I think it would become more of a chore to do it. Um, some people love getting up every morning and doing it, so everyone's a bit different. But um, for me, yeah, it just keeps it fresh, um, and it, um, I look forward to each session then as well. Yeah, well, because I like winning, I'm going to add another thing to my low volume argument, and that is that the higher the volume, the more food you've got to eat. So your food bill goes up. You've got to buy. You've got to cook more, more meals. I love, I love, I love food. I, I cannot stop doing volume because I'd have to stop eating. I love food. I agree. Uh, it means you can eat more. It, it, might, it might mean you can eat more, but I'm 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 calling an increased life admin, and I think it's too much. <laughs> Minimalism is best. Um, the final thing I want to cover um, is uh, when when you're when you're behind the block, ready to ready to race. Is there? And actually, I'm going to come to the high volume guys on this to start with. So so Dan, I'll come to you. Do you ever have like a, a fear? Of, I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever had times in your master swimming life where you've not been able to train that much for whatever reason, you know, work or maybe a bit of a niggle or something like that. If you've, if you've not hit, say, a certain meterage per week for, for a short while, do you, do you go into that race with a little bit of fear? Um, I wouldn't say fear, maybe a bit of apprehension or, you know, the unknown of what's going to happen at the end of a race. Yeah, I think, you know, there have been times where I've done less, especially around COVID, you know, there's a period where we couldn't do any. And I think, you know, my distance swimming suffered as a result of that. I think something like a 1500, you know, I'm never going to feel super confident, even off the meters I'm doing at the moment, you know, going into the back end. Um, but I think, you know, generally um, for the, the more middle distance, the 200, 400, you know, I feel, you know, reasonably happy with, with where I'm at. Yeah. Do you feel the same, Helen? Um, similar. Um, if I make a decision to go to a meet, it's because I, I think that I can do okay. And then I just always want to be open-minded. I, I don't um, kind of try to pre-decide how well I'm going to do based on my training. I think how I'm going to swim is probably more related to how well I've done in the most recent block of race pace sets rather than the overall volume. So if I've been able to hit pace and uh, I haven't, got stuck in traffic and turned up late and my preparation kind of on the day is you know I like to slow everything down that you know you're just focusing on what you're doing for the next hour and a half two hours when you come up to a race as long as I feel calm and I'm generally happy and then uh, I'll just be at mine and see what happens I don't I do track my volume but I, I don't pay as much attention to it as, as you might think yeah, yeah that I think I'd echo what Helen just said that I would definitely focus more on the quality I've done and the times maybe I've done in training rather than the pure volume. So I've been doing really good times on the distance working training, but I'd not quite been doing as much, then I would definitely feel more confident. Whereas if the times hadn't been there at all in training, I would probably be a bit more, you know, unsure of what's going to happen. Yeah. No, and that's and that's a good argument. And and so Casey, finally then given that given that we don't swim a lot like when you when you're ready to race does that ever come into your mind do you ever think oh like i, I wish i'd have done more or do, or do you still go in feeling really confident most of the time i feel really confident um i do remember standing on the blocks though at sheffield um in october last year for nationals just about to race in the 100 back which was my first race of the weekend thinking i don't know how to swim this i don't know i, I didn't have a clue what sort of a time i might get um i didn't know if i'd die or what was going to happen but um 
I just sort of, yeah, set off, you know, with confidence and stuff and, and it was actually fine. But yeah, it's, it's quite rare that I sort of, um, feel that way. I, I usually feel quite prepared and stuff, but I haven't done that much training leading into that. Um, but yeah, like, um, the other guys have said, I sort of, if I'm hitting times in training and stuff, then I'm, I'm generally quite confident and, and like hell in it, as long as, you know, you get there in plenty of time, you do usual preparations and stuff. I usually feel pretty confident. Yeah, no, all, all good answers. Uh, and I think how we conclude this is that, um, either either way is fine um i'm sat i'm sat with three incredibly fast swimmers that all achieve great things on on the, the volume that they do so so clearly there is no perfect volume um the perfect volume exists for each individual i suppose um but hopefully what we've done with this conversation is just open people's minds a little bit more so whether they think they'd like to swim a bit more or they fear swimming less you know what, whatever way they can maybe come away thinking well do you know what there's always alternatives and if if say for example my volume dropped off it's probably not the end of the world i probably will still swim just as fast i'll just have to maybe find other ways of doing it would you guys all agree with that there is no perfect volume it's all very individual um and we've had a decent conversation here definitely yeah definitely uh, I think yeah, one of the sorry sorry so one of the key things i think that we've mentioned that is, is making sure you still enjoy the sport and whatever yeah. you you enjoy doing i think is a really important thing yeah absolutely yeah, Anything... sorry yeah yeah, we all enjoy it. Well, we do it because we enjoy it. And, you know, whatever you can fit in around your life, whatever you're happy doing, I think that's, you know, that's the way to go, isn't it? Yeah. Any final words, Alan? Uh, no, it's been a really interesting chat. And uh, I, I'm not close-minded to doing a short volume programme. I just don't swim for a club that trains that way at the moment. But maybe I'll train that way in the future. I'm, you know, I'm open-minded to try and yeah. all sorts of uh, ways of training. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm open-minded too, but I definitely wouldn't swap places with you. <laughs> Same here. I think, I, think I, I think I'd be in a coffin, honestly. Give me give me two weeks of your training and you'd be burying me. Um, anyway, thank you very much, guys. Um, that was great. Thanks for coming on uh, coming on the podcast. And um, do leave your comments um, on Facebook, on Instagram. Let us know what sort of training volume you do, what, what you think your ideal is, or what you think the ideal is. Thank you very much.